0: basically i got out to california and i started experiencing people respond to my accent and having a southern accent in la is a damn thing for sure yeah, dude. and people will help you. at a certain point people are like hell just you come hang out with us and just talk like yeah. uh, we just want we, just want, we just want you part of yeah. the entourage so i wound up in all these interesting places and um, and i discovered myself as a southern troubadour having made the pilgrimage, just like Tom Petty, and Lucinda Williams, and Jerry Reed, and and a bunch of these other cats that had done this Southern Troubadour, gone to LA thing, and simultaneously I got homesick for Sweet Tea and Grits, and my youth, which was spent running away from country music, I found myself, you know, country music started coming out of me out in Los Angeles.
1: to the Morse Code Podcast, where we talk with entrepreneurially-minded creatives in music, film, and writing. My name's Corby, and I'm hoping these conversations inspire you to push deeper into your own work, whether you're a full-time professional or just starting out on your own creative odyssey. Before I get to our next guest, the Morse Code Podcast is celebrating its sixth month anniversary with a live show. That's happening Sunday, April 14th at the Five Spot, right here in East Nashville. Many of the guests we've had on the show are performing that night. Guests like jill andrews abigail compst plus some plein air painting from nathan and judd epting we're gonna raffle off one of those paintings and sell the other one it's gonna be wild uh we'll also have a performance by our next guest tickets go on sale march 4th at corbynlinger.com speaking of that next guest i'm happy to bring you one of my favorite personalities in east nashville Boo Ray. Boo happens to be one of the most active performers in the scene. I've watched him twist through a roadside rocker, breathe new magic into an old Haggard song. You always get the sense that he means what he sings. Self-described redneck rock and roller, I found Boo to be a thoughtful and even introspective artist with some pretty spirited takes on the connection between lifestyle and songwriting. If you get something out of the Morse Code podcast, please take a second to like and subscribe. And now... Here's my conversation with Boo Ray. Boo Ray. Yeah, man. Dude, it's great to see you, man. Same. Thank you for being Same, here. Same, Corby. thank you. I'm so excited to me. talk to you. Ever Same. since uh, you popped by the party, uh, what was that, you know, in November, the yeah. Bear Branch party in the front yard. I that was great I had such a, a great, great time talking to you. And I was just like, this guy, he's a card, he's a character, he's an artist, he's great at conversation. I can't wait to get him on the podcast. So uh, who knows what's going to happen here.
0: Thanks, I'm in. I count, I count me in. I'm on, I'm in all, on all counts, and I've have been in. I knew about you as a songwriter first, and then I and I've been casually following. You know, uh, acquaintances around town. So, sure. And then I saw your movie come up, and I went made it to the premiere at Belcourt. You sure? And did. it blew my mind. Like a class it was, was, act. It was, man. it was so
1: good. I so I'm so grateful to you to, for being there. And like I mean, that was a cool night. There was a lot of. That was a great that, night. That came out, and it was a. Uh, Fun to see everybody, and you were also didn't you drop in at the during the filming because I, I remember accidentally it was kind of COVID still yeah, totally 100%. and we had uh, we we shot you uh, guys were at sip at sip cafe yeah. in East Nashville and they'd kind of they weren't like the dining room wasn't open but they'd let us film there and that was a you don't know anything about this but man that was a tension ridden day because I guess the management people like and to get that to happen. Was repeated visits over weeks and sure. like meeting oh, the owner. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the MOD was like, oh, the owner. He only comes in once a week. And yeah, leave your information. No call. You can <laughs> come back in. Hey, just following yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And we finally got him to kind of reluctantly let us be there. We showed up with you know it was like there's a lot. The, the crew was yeah. Between cast and crew, there's twenty five. Yeah, you guys had a, people, you guys had a squad, trucks out Barry, in the, sure. You know, and they were just like immediately DEFCON five. The alarms were signed like they were so mad that we were there. You were pull, you guys pulled it off. Oh way. yeah, we did okay, but it was just funny. And then like you like you came in, you sat and, like you were you were kind of an extra for a second, for a moment, background. and yeah. I totally didn't mean to. I was
2: I, <laughs> no, I, you, I, didn't.
0: you I did it, You didn't in for I, some ice cream. I felt self self conscious as, as hell because I, I was like, oh god, these guys are p-. like I I wasn't even. I'm sure, I was supposed to walk in the damn door. You know, I was like maybe a sort of drive-through today, mm. and then I, and then of course I get self-conscious and I get irritated. I, still, sometimes on occasion, I've I've mostly grown past this, but my first response to uncomfortableness and fear is is uh, you know fight or flight shit, and, and, and I you know I I'm uh, right on the borderline my old ways of like of that. So I, yeah. I bristle, you know, like, so, <laughs> you bristle. so right there as I walked into your set, I was like, oh, God
1: damn it, what's going on? You know, right. I was like, well, you, and, you played it pretty cool. Well, you
0: guys were super sweet and... and of course,
1: and Travis was there and you guys, you yeah, guys knew yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah. He's a, he's a gentleman. Oh,
0: he's yeah. top notch. Yeah. No, it was cool. That was great.
1: Well, great. dude, I feel like you're one of the busiest people in town. I mean, you're, you're playing somewhere. It looks like all the time, but like, what are realistically how many days a month are you? Do you feel like you're when playing? I'm cranked up
0: and it's and it takes me the, that that when my when I'm busy like that playing three times a week mm. at a decent you know playing full sets, uh, uh, full band sets you know I'm, yeah. um and three times a week is my preference. That's what I. That's how I often like that's that's a good. Um, Number of uh, like twice week,
1: twice on the weekend, once in the week. Yeah, something like
0: that. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Friday and Saturday night and 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 Tuesday or Wednesday night is great. Uh, uh, When I've got that going on, it takes a while each year to build that, and I'm I'm still, God, you know, doing all this stuff ourselves entirely ourselves as we do. It's like, you know, you're thinking about booking for March. It's like that needs to have been done before Christmas, you know, and and it's just like this is never ending eight ball that you just can't get out from triggering me right now.
1: I mean, one of the things that uh, for me happened in the pandemic um, was all of a sudden you know nobody could tour, and uh, two things happened there. One was like I start I stopped being able to do it, and so gone went all of that anxiety around what you're talking about where people don't understand this is is if you're booking yourself you're like you're thinking about what's happening six months from now four months from now three months from now next month two weeks from now and tomorrow right you know and next week you're juggling all of those things at the same time and you're never really caught up and if i know some people uh that are have a talent for that you know they're artist types and they're real organized and they don't mind doing it i was never one of those people i never got used to it 10 years of hard touring i was just always like always anxious yeah and uh one of the things i liked about the acting game is completely different in the sense that you and it's irritating in a different way everything's a little irritating you know taken taken from a certain angle but uh you'll get an, an audition um you know on a tuesday it'll be due most of the time within two days, you know? So it's like disruptive. You're like, okay, I got to stop doing this. But when you book it, it's next week, right? you know, or most of the time it's not very far away. And so you're not having to juggle it. You're having to be more like flexible and available rather than, you know, ridiculously organized in real time. So, I mean, we all have to make our peace with uh, both of those things, but how, so how have you, have you gotten better over the years? Do you feel like kind of maintaining your schedule and staying on top of
0: it? I'll say this, Uh, I've improved in small, very small increments regarding that as far as keeping the schedule. But what I have improved in is I have improved in um, letting go of what's not working and and, and and as quickly as possible shifting to what is working, what I can put my hands on and what I can change mm-hmm. then right then. Mm-hmm. And, and and in a reasonable – I try to balance, you know, which and I do a f- horrible job of the balancing. But with keeping, you know, the six months, eight months is still out there, but I'm able to put my hands on, well, look, I've got this. I can go ahead and confirm the, the these five dates, mm-hmm. and I can confirm the players, and advance the shows on on these five, and, and that's what I got to do today.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and I and I chalk that up in, a, in the W column at the end. Yeah, of the day. Yeah, for sure.
1: I mean, like knowing to how to uh, prioritize is so key. You know, and yeah. there's always stuff you're not going to get to. Yeah. That's everybody
0: really. But um, it's almost like production values. Yeah, like the prioritization of this stuff. Like to me, that's almost it's almost like a series of production values.
1: Yeah, I mean, we all have the same twenty four. you know hours and it's like what you get to you get to and you can't you're gonna have to make choices and you don't get to like i mean there's always constraints on everything it's a if it's a movie if it's a band if it's a tour well you know it'd be great to go out with a five-piece band and a tour bus but unfortunately that's the overhead is you know prohibitive for most of us yeah so um so uh tell me this do you are you touring like mostly regionally are you staying local what does a typical month look like if there is such a thing? Sure. There there, uh, there kind of isn't. I, I've,
0: uh, I have had periods of, well, this is the way it's going to go down for this period of time. And it's basically been uh, based a lot s- since 2015 based on the kind of deals that I've had in place and who mm-hmm. I've had the deals in place with. 2015 to 2019, I was busy coast-to-coast uh, and uh, Eastern Seaboard and and West Coast and mm-hmm. Colorado. Uh, uh, I, hell, I'd post up in Colorado for a month at a time, and uh, just work the radio shows in the AM hours and uh, and the play of some venue or Vale Brewing Company or something like that in the PM hours. What
1: do you mean the radio shows in the
0: like? I post up in Nederland, mm-hmm. and oh, okay. I and yeah. I come yeah, down sure, off sure. the mountain in in AM, and I'd play. Uh, I'd play. There's a whole series of radio stations all up and down they call it the range uh and there's actually a radio station to call the range out there but they they that that, the i guess the north it runs sort of northwest to south or northeast to southwest the way that way that mountain range range. yeah yeah Yeah. and so you come down off of you come down into boulder in the a.m hours grab a coffee and run to the radio station and there's a there's about 10 radio stations within a Radius of fifty miles. Uh-huh. It's a short, you know. A, and are you in that sense? Are you going to promote the show that night? Uh, well, I, I, I had, a, I was in, I was releasing material and records and mm. stuff during this time, so I was always out. I was always out in support of some release. And are these like uh, what AAA stations? Is that what your format was? Yeah, yeah, was, well, well, Yes, AAA? yeah, yeah. Uh, Brad Brad Paul was doing the radio. Oh, work, nice. Yeah, and he's a um, he's fabulous. He's and, been around for uh, yeah a minute. And that twenty fifteen record got a bunch of traction for me, and I got a bunch of exposure on that. Um, I would say, still, all being said, we probably got thirty percent horsepower out of that release of what should have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had a couple of uh, technical uh, within the team of people that were working on that release, there was a couple of technical tragedies, life upsets, and like players were, you know, essentially in sports analogy, they were ushered off the field, you know? Uh, and, And this was, you know, like we're talking about, like I found out difficult information six weeks before the record hit the street and that kind of stuff and like team members are like well we're not going to be able to participate it's like oh god
1: yeah and it's too late to find somebody else exactly I mean people don't understand how many moving parts there are the bigger you know when you're when you're really just, I'm kind of like, for me, I'm right now, I am I feel like this part of me is just like starting over in music and it's just me sure. again and I'm thinking about, should I put singles out or should I, you know, I did a record in 2021, a whole record and took out a loan and a Kickstarter. I'm still paying for that record, sure. you know, which is kind of like, I'm over it. I'm pretty much over it now, but it hurt my feelings sure. for a while to just be like, God, I can't even, I got a, like a lot of rec- album, vinyl records in the closet right now. I get now, it. You know, and I'm, I know you know. And, uh, but like, as you, there's been times in my life when maybe a record had $20,000 release budget that I came up with, you mm. know? And so you're hiring a, uh, the biggest promises right. that'll take sure. you. Right, right. And ready to tour, maybe you got a sidey or a band even for a sure. short run. And, uh, but there's, the more people you add to the the machine, the more variables, the more things can break and go wrong. And the timing doesn't line yeah. up. The vinyl's not ready on time. All of these things have to be kind of, and they never really are. <laughs> you just, the show must go on. You show up and you do the best you can. That's and right. be like, you know. <clears throat>
0: you know, I do understand why the machine, places the artist in a place where the, the artist has a liaison between all these moving parts because it is a difficult bridge to cross like it's for instance if you're if you're if you're a booking agent or your are publicist or whoever on the team or your marketing person is you know whoever's handling whichever station at the time if they need some uh, if they need encouragement more information correction uh managing monitoring if they need that and you as the artist slash entrepreneur are the one to put the pressure on them and bring this to the attention it's, it's it doesn't it, it just doesn't, doesn't it's work not good
1: you are like cause yeah. you're, god that's so true i mean as a as an artist you feel, you want to be fun to be around you want to be inspiring you want to be a pleasure yeah you, you know and, and that is Really difficult to maintain when the rubber meets the road, when you're getting maybe dicked over by a club or like somebody yeah. messed up and the load in's wrong, or you show up, God forbid, we I mean, show up and the date was last week or yeah. tomorrow, and, or you know, whatever. And uh, you have every right to be irritated at the person who fucked up. Yeah. But, um, and maybe sometimes you do get a little irritated, but sure. you're, you're, it's never a win. It's never a good it's look. It's never a win. It's nah. never a win. Yeah. The, uh,
0: for, for, uh, there, there is, I will say this, I think it is incredibly unrealistic and unfair um projection and expectation and particularly in the lower rungs which we exist in you know the kind of services <laughs> that we can afford the, the 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 industry services that are at our disposal mm-hmm. m- most of the time the stuff that we can afford uh is um the uh the difficulty Of the artist navigating that is 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 treacherous Mm because we are expected to gush benevolence and gratitude at all times, and that's literally the only card we're allowed to play. Like (laughs) that's it, and and if we have something else to say, that's like, like, hey, well, 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 ain't nobody interested in what else, whatever else the artist has to say, really. Yeah, I mean that's a that's not that's not fair and it's, and it's a it's a control mechanism like so if 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 i have like hey i i i have a little bit different idea and i think you could do more with this and you're talking to the one of the other agents on one of these other stations in your realm and you say hey i, I think i've got a little bit of a different vision i think we could do more than i think there's some dots you could connect here mm-hmm you know seven eight nine times out of ten what i have experienced is an immediate pushback and deflection and as here's the here's the here's the way they here's the method that this machine and and i used to say i used to say this is the way it goes down across the street across the river Mm -hmm. and that's where this is relegated this this behavior is limited to this over there, like we 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 us independents do 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 that, mm-hmm. but the machine does this, and that is this. As soon as the team is able to pres- uh, diagnose prescribe the artist as unreasonable, the whole team just goes to, goes on and does whatever the fuck they want. Mm-hmm.
1: So just, yeah, they're just almost, almost waiting for you to just be difficult do anything so that A, you A, can be dismissed 100 percent. 100 percent, dude yeah 100%. And, i mean and people wonder why artists get reputations now and then of being divas or yeah. like, dif- difficult to yeah. work with yeah and yeah i mean art is difficult to work with <laughs> you know what it's i mean messy. it's difficult it's messy it's difficult get difficult to create it's um It you know nobody needs your song or your book, in know, in the, in the way that we need doctors, you know, you're creating this need. Yeah. And, uh, so that's already, you have to like insert yourself into the flow of con, of consumption and go like me too, like check yeah. this out though. Right. And, uh, that, that very nature is not for the faint of heart and is disruptive yeah. and is, uh, annoying in a way, yeah. unless you're gracious about it. You're, I mean, you're gracious about it and you, people who survive, learn to be, at I, least kindly. I
0: attribute 100% of my ability to, to any of the navigation that I have successfully done. Um, I attribute that 100% to my experience of getting sober and mm-hmm. I had a couple of great mentors in my life mm-hmm. and I began learning how to communicate um, differently mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and take it on the chin of like, hey, this is not fair, but this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. And and so like you if you you want the end result or do you want the do you, do you, do you want to go on expressing the unfairness or do you want the end result mm-hmm. you know and, and I want the I want the end result yeah, eventually I, I you get know?
1: that I mean I feel the same way I'll put up with a lot in the short run if I can sort of still see where I'm where I want to be and if this is if like it's eating crow today is the best solution for. The win, perhaps the potential win, a few weeks from now, or a months from now, or years from now. Yeah, I'll probably eat the crow in the short term. Sure, like, I, I don't care, man. I, you can say whatever. You I want.
0: try to, you know, there. I, I try to play that card as often as possible, thinking long term game. A game changer for me. I was having, I was having lunch and coffee with uh, with my buddy Aaron Lee Tashjian, and we were talking about somebody. borderline
1: genius. Oh, I mean, yeah, he's
0: brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely agree, agreed. Um, uh. He, um, we were talking about some aspect of the, of the industry, or, or uh, I, we might have been talking about an artist, that, uh, and we we uh, uh, it, like an artist we both liked, and um, he had this comment. Uh, I think there was a there was a a, a, a query on the table of like, you, you think this guy's got it or not? Yeah, and. And Aaron's comment was, um, he said, I, "I think this guy's got enough gratitude to do it," mm-hmm. and that was the criteria: is the ability of the guy to have gratitude, mm-hmm. not not talent, mm-hmm. not drive, but gratitude. Mm-hmm. And that that hit home with me. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you know, at the very end of the day, regardless of how any of this stuff is going, mm-hmm. regardless of the scorecard um you know what what is my what 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 choice do i make at the end of the day mm-hmm. and i'm i've been doing this long enough that i know in my heart like that i for whatever reason like i'm gonna pick the songwriter thing every time
2: mm-hmm.
0: um i've done a couple of forays and other stuff and and been had varying degrees of of success and lack of success and happiness and unhappiness i'm just built uh i don't have to deliberate anymore of like it, I, I'll, let me say this i i definitely consider my choice of being a full-time songwriter as a vow of poverty 100% hmm. there's yep. no there's no there's no there's no gray area like yeah. i i understand that
1: yeah i you know there's a thing in the like a question that i think about in I, I want to say, firstly, like you, somewhere along the way, I made some kind of commitment to this life, come mm. what may. Mm. Mm. And um, mm-hmm. I, you know, co- consequently, I, I've had, it's just, what has what the wind been? The wind's been long on freedom, you know, um, of a kind. You're sort of also bound to the road and the um people's tastes there whatever you're to a lot of trans, things you can't control yeah, yeah, but you yeah. still have a like a high degree of freedom and it's yeah. like especially as an indie artist it's like these are my songs this is what i'm hawking you know i'll live and die on this yeah and it, what you said earlier about the taking the vow, vow of poverty and i can relate to that and um the thing that i think about too is um i somewhere along the way i stopped couching my um idea of being an artist as a dream like chasing a dream and more like a calling mm, and whether or not mm. you know maybe that's uh self-aggrandizing or something but i don't think so no, i mean it's humble. I, I just felt like you could be a cobbler could be a cobbler yeah you could be called to any number of things you'd be called to be a freaking priest you know be right. a tr- traditional thing and they, or a teacher what well, remind yeah or teacher like all of these things are, Those are are callings yeah those Absolutely. are callings, yeah. You, a you make a compromise, financial compromise. Yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. Uh, and so that once you kind of like once I heed decided to heed the call, yeah. you know, it's kind of like what falls out from that is not irrelevant, but not um, going to be the the determining factor where, whether or not I. Stick no, one hundred percent.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've I've always recognized you as that from from a long time ago when I was just knowing you as a. As a, um, a cutting-edge guitar player and songwriter and singer, you you're, you're a great vocalist and a great songwriter. Your your sense of uh, melody and chord chords and uh, and your your finger picking abilities are are, are excellent. Um, and I've always been like this cat's not like like he's he's not following anybody. He's not copping on anything. He's got a vision and he's and he's just and he, and and you can't uh you can't put limitations you know like the, the cats like that are just out there doing their fucking thing mm. and and i consider myself i think, I think you're about exact,
1: what you're i'm absolutely doing in that yeah. Camp. yeah man the yeah. same it like knows like you know yeah and i've i've always felt like that boo ray he's just like he's following his own flag man that guy's doing his own way kind to everybody like i haven't er, ever heard anyone say an un, unkind word about you well i appreciate that you. thank you I, um but you're, yeah, you're doing it your own way. And you're also like a very humble guy about it. You know, you're not like, hey, look and check this out. But you also like, you know, there's nothing on accident happening over there. You know, you're, it's, you're enjoying yourself as well. You know? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, gosh, uh, you know, um,
0: there is a point of, uh, it's an interesting world, uh. You know people uh, 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 people approach buddhism and i and i learned this slowly over the over the years uh, as my path my own personal path has been a path of addiction and recovery Mm -hmm. and that that has been my route in my in way to a a spiritual mindset Mm -hmm. and a spiritual connection and and that approach um and along that way i've learned I didn't know there is there as many different types of Buddhism as there are Christianity. Like there's there's real uh, le- sort of left left minded uh, mystical mm. stuff, and then, then there's real Hasidic strict. Yeah, and and there's and then there's and then within that spectrum, there's this sort of grounded agrarian, uh, you know, sort of agrarian and r- authentic rootsy balanced version uh-huh. and and I have a friend a close friend of mine he in the in the years that I was pursuing sobriety and discovering that path he's been studying buddhism all these years and so I was able to sort of piggyback on his learning in that regard and 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 and, and, and those ideas were were uh, access very accessible to me
1: mm-hmm. um I love this this uh, this angle and yeah. so is that does that continue to be a, a part of your practice? Absolutely, like, uh, absolutely. Meditation. And, uh, yes. What, what? What? How would you describe your bastardized practice? my own bastardized
0: versions of everything? Uh-huh. I don't do anything exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like nothing. Yeah. Uh, that being said, um, yeah, I, I um, uh, the basic ideas and the way I my beliefs, if you will, fall. Uh, they are congruent with lots
1: of that ideology for sure. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I, when you were saying that all the different types of Buddhism, I, I think of like, uh, and this is not somebody talking about anything they know, um, but like Buddhism or uh, Zen Buddhism would be kind of like on the more like artful side and gentle side, and uh, that kind of touches. It dips into Taoism which is sort of like a very gentle approach and uh, like on the other experience would be like Vipassana Buddhism which is just like kind of pain oriented in a way sure and, um, I there's been a time in my life when you know I came out out of uh, evangelical Christianity that's what my parents were into I come from a long line of preachers I feel like I got preacher blood in me mm. and um I tend to see the world through that probably probably because I had like a positive experience in it but I've always been interested in ways of being and religious practices we were just at sundance last week and we went to a shabbat dinner with a jewish um group of folks that a friend of mine invited us never been a part of that and it was just like really fun to be part of it and witness and and, like have everybody be receptive to you know our presence and um anyway that said like from college on i got pretty interested in buddhism and i sat with a, a zen group for probably three years. I was like the youngest. Oh, guy. you got had far more years. experience than I do in that realm. Well, dude, I, so this is all, get to say that at some point I had um, come across a guy that was really interested in this, this other lineage called Vipassana. And there's these, Retreats that happen and people, somebody listening, they going got a exactly what i Retreat up
0: in, in, in Louisville, right? Yeah, they there. got yeah. one in
1: Louisville, They got one in Kentucky. They got one outside of Atlanta. So you they got probably one know who Trungpa is.
0: You know Trungpa? Yeah the
1: the, the writer, writer yeah. the famous monk. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I don't know if he's. Did a you know Boston he was again. a drunk? No, nah, but he, I'm he, not surprised. He, he was
0: a hopeless, a hopeless, a hopeless, <laughs> a hopeless alcoholic. Drunk. I've heard. I mean, yeah. like
1: you some of the the thing about Buddhism is some of those. uh you know, you can be both two things at once. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's one of the ideas absolutely. and teachings,
0: and and Trungpa—that—that that is the lineage that I wound up being. Mm. That my my friend uh, ha, turned me onto, and that's the series of books that I read. Yeah, that's the same stuff that I got into.
1: I mean, one of the best lessons I ever learned out of that time in my life, because um, I haven't. Uh, meditated in a minute and i don't know if i ever actually did you know in the sense of just like you sit there and watch your breath a couple and, minutes at a time is all i've ever yeah, been able yeah like and even, even in those couple minutes i'm like one second of like you know attention yeah, a moment. and i'm my my mind is like yeah but that um the thing that you do learn is that, you know, I am not my feelings. I am not my thoughts. And that I, that idea of like there being an awareness of the I outside of that yeah. has served me so well in so many difficult situations. Agreed. Emotionally trying Agreed. situations, I, you know, it's like I, yeah. rather than being like surrendering to this, this t- uh, tidal wave of feelings, yeah. often unpleasant. Yeah. You can have this little glimmer of just like, oh, there is that. There, I feel like this yeah. and it does, you don't feel any less that way but there's some awareness outside of it and that is like your lifeline out of there or through it or I
0: know out. exactly the dynamic you're talking about uh, i I can't remember who this is at the moment I've been I've been relaying this little uh technique uh, somebody turned me on to it I'm trying to represent here I, 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 I've this is it's so regular to me when, this is one of the first when I encounter somebody who's in stress, in 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 somebody who's in um, in uh, stress or or upset of uh, you know some kind of emergency. Uh, one of the things that I say, and somebody did this for me years ago, mm-hmm. and and it it worked like the very first time was as soon as somebody laid this idea on me, I was able to grasp it, and and it went to work immediately, um, which is. Uh, I tell the person as the, as they're sitting there panicking or, or going through this experience of feeling out of control and, and upset I say hey do me a favor so you're 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 sitting here freaking out over this series of dynamics and this this criteria and these events D- and you're sitting right here in this room with me, do me a favor and do this. Put the pause button on that. We don't have to fix any of it or anything. Just leave leave that situation just right, right there like it is. Now stay, take one step backwards out of yourself and now view yourself as that person that is upset and freaking out somewhat about these dynamics. And you have just then, if you can just pull that out, even just for the slightest moment, you have brought a higher level of consciousness to the table and you're no longer trapped as that person who's freaking out. You're an outside entity who is viewing that. And it's so
1: powerful, That, uh, that is so powerful. That was my way in. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, can I ask when you got sober or when you yes. started uh, well, it's been Well, like it's been a long path of,
0: I got sober the very first time in 96. Mm-hmm. I was sober for a few years. Uh, my approach was, uh, I had great mentorship, but my approach was a little bit off. I, I basically had the idea that, oh, hell, this is great. I'm not, I'm, I'm sober now, I'm gonna put on a long sleeve shirt and cover up my tattoos. I'm just gonna make more, more mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I I thought that was going to be the path. And then it absolutely didn't happen that way. I got angry basically a few years into it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I wound up uh, uh, getting drunk a few years into it. And then I entered this period of sober for a year, drunk for six months, sober for two years, drunk for 90 days. And that was uh, incredibly uh, devastating and destructive. And uh, even though my periods of sobriety were longer than my periods of inebriation man i mean in six weeks and three hell in three weeks i could burn three years worth of life that i had built i'd burn it to the to the ground and and you know over over a long weekend mm-hmm. uh of drinking and and doing drugs uh so um yeah
1: how long when did, when did you
0: you know so i saw so, uh, for the last time so, uh, the last time that i had to go to detox and uh the last time that I had to go to detox, and the last time I drank alcohol, or did any uh, um, narcotics or any drugs or any cocaine, was two thousand nine.
1: Mm. Um, dude, that's a long time, man. That's um, this is the longest r- stretch in my life. Thus yeah, far, yeah, that's amazing and um, inspiring to me. And congratulations yeah, if that's thanks, in order. Uh, and that that's a great it prompts this question. And I've, this is something I wonder about a lot. But how did that change your relationship to your creativity? Um, when being sober, good question. Great question. Did you, you know you get better, good, bad, indifferent? Um, Absolutely,
0: it was a definite shift for me personally. Prior to that, my identity was built, I had built my identity around this uh addict, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. and and no holds barred, you know, Jim Morrison, uh. You know, Johnny paycheck
1: mm-hmm. kind
0: of idea, yeah. the con- conception that I had for all myself, the romance of that. One hundred percent, I totally. bought into a hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, and I, and, you know, I and I went out. And I figured that was my criteria. Instead of you know, like that's what I needed to do is crash cars, wreck motorcycles, shoot guns, get you know, get beat up, and be in barroom brawls. I thought I go to, go to be incarcerated. I thought that was my criteria that I had to fulfill, and I and I went and fulfilled that. Yeah, and uh, um upon actually getting sober it took me a while to get i mean hell when i first got sober i i, I mean i got in, i got in some trouble and, and i was i was terrified uh when i first got sober so i i got scared walking down the damn beer aisle in the grocery store mm-hmm. you know like had somebody seeing me walk down the damn beer aisle i was like you know my my like because you felt
1: like you would it was you were so susceptible uh, that you might grab a beer or or without, just my like the i think that Par- partially that but mm-hmm. even just this this this
0: overwhelming um sense of shame and guilt uh-huh. that i that, I, that I was just trapped in you know uh-huh. I, like but it, it it's a i mean I, and let me say this too i got in 2009 it was still not hip to declare your sobriety uh, as a press release you know uh-huh. like in 2009 you get now. sober it's like yeah right right yeah. now and now you release it like a press release and 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 you know a bunch of people getting on board and congratulating and, and but in 2009 it was still like yeah that guy needed it. you know like yeah yeah he's he's bad he's not not a good guy you know there's a big mm-hmm. big particularly in the south you know mm-hmm. which For me personally, going to winding up in California, which is where the Betty Ford Clinic and like they're 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 two decades ahead of the East Coast on the lack of stigma Mm -hmm. associated with sobriety and mental illness and mental health and 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 suicide prevention. Like, you know, generally speaking, you stop somebody in California and be like. Hey man, I'm 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 just a week so or I'm 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 sober and I'm kind of freaking out. But like you ask a general person on the street like literally like you know 7 out of 10 people like yeah you probably ought to go to Amy or something. You know? Yeah. You know what I mean like 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 they it's just household knowledge out there. You're yeah. an addict, you go get sober.
1: Yeah. Here on the East Coast we still trying to hide, hide and yeah yeah. Yeah. So uh, we were talking about the how so how did your create your, you um, know, your notion changed. I, I was a scared. Story. I was scared to write from the perspective
0: of an active, participating mm. drinker, user, and and my my. And it took me a while to get out from under this thumb of shame and guilt, so that my perspective was not constantly so self-obsessed and also shame-based regarding my relationship to the world in general and particularly nightlife and partying and yeah. drugs and alcohol and women and, and all the things. So it took me a while to be able to put that down and get back to being able to write a simple drinking song. Mm-hmm. Like it took me a damn minute.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And And then once I did figure that out, it came readily. I was able to. I'm. I now I can freely write about any
1: subject matter I think. Yeah, you like, know. like treating it as like a character in a song, like a character in a story. This is yeah, like me. This is a my story. This is like this guy. Like, yeah, like that once removed idea again. Yeah, Just like, yeah. Agreed. Um, I mean, huge, a, a huge tool for me. I Agreed. Same, mm-hmm. same. As big a tool for me as it was for you. Agreed. Um. Well, that's a great segue. Maybe, uh, do you want to play a song? Let's do it. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what do you think you might do?
0: Well, since we were talking about the uh, timelines of, um, uh, you know, getting, but at what point was I able to begin, was I able to effectively uh, write again about real life and real dynamics without being under the thumb of this uh, and the filter of this constant self uh, self guilt and shame Mm -hmm. uh i i was out and you know i made it out to california and got sober out there again Uh, music care sent me out there oh wow and um i found myself a couple of years into sobriety out there and in a hard moment um i was living at the mark twain hotel uh in between sunset and uh Hollywood Boulevard and right there in dead central Hollywood and yeah. it was the darkest joint I've ever stayed in, in my life mm. um in the room that I stayed in there was literally like a a spot on a, a, a permanently wet, you know like a permanently damp spot on this rug where like I mean I I, I don't know somebody bled out there died oh. you know like it was a rough joint yeah. uh anyways in in that place is literally called the Mark Twain Hotel um and I, I would wake, every time I'd wake up, I, you know you know, in uh, Brother Where Artow, when George Cleaning, every time he wakes up, he's like, oh, my her, my her, my her. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, so I would wake up my, where, where my co- fucking car was parked, and I'd have a panic attack every single time I'd wake up uh, where the car was parked at the time, you know, and it was about to get towed or whatever, you know, because Hollywood parking. Sure. And, um, and so I wound up writing this song that became an important part of my catalog called Six Weeks in a Motel.
1: Cool. Let's hear
2: it. You wanted to be as famous as she was, baby, you are a bright shining star. With your high heels and your fast talk, I saw you on the sidewalk me on. You look like a song. And you moved into my room with a suitcase like a dust broom. You swept my little heart away. Give me six weeks in a motel do things we don't tell if we're still alive when it's through i gave me six weeks in a motel and i'll go down and pay hell and i'll come back with diamonds for you Made it, and now you're famous. You're an all-star, bad girl, black heart. You tore me apart. You played me like a fiddle. I got caught in the middle. You split before I got paid. Give me six weeks in a motel. Do things we don't tell if we're still alive when it's through. I give me six weeks in a motel and I'll go down and pay hell and I'll come back with diamonds for you. And I can't call you, it's still too damn soon. I wait till the season is through and Now I pray for the days to go by and One day I'll drop you alive and Somehow I'll find the right time me six weeks in a motel, we'll do things we don't tell If we're still alive when it's through I Give me six weeks in a motel, and I'll go down and pay hell And I'll come back with diamonds for you
1: man that's a fantastic song thank you yeah thank you and that was uh maybe 10 10 years ago that i wrote that song in 20
0: let me think about this i wrote that song in 2000 it came out first i have a recording of it that came out in 2010
1: wow yeah Uh,
0: on on my that was my first so i got out to los angeles i got sober for the second real time of my life, right? And I was, so, I was back sober and I was around uh, uh, and I was being creative and, and I've I had that experience of being able to write outside of the, the thumb of guilt and shame. I had a, a breakthrough in that regard and I wound up writing six weeks at a motel. Well, basically, I got out to California and I started experiencing people respond to my accent and having a Southern accent in LA is a damn thing for sure. Yeah, dude. And people will help you. At a certain point, people are like, hell, just you come hang out with us and just talk. Like, yeah. we just want we, just want, we just want you part of yeah. the entourage. So I wound up in all these interesting places. And, um, and I discovered myself as a Southern troubadour having made the pilgrimage, just like Tom Petty and Lucinda Williams and Jerry Reed and, and a bunch of these other cats that had done this Southern Troubadour, gone to L.A. thing. And I realized that it was a thing. And simultaneously, I got homesick for Sweet Tea and Grits. And my youth, which has, was spent running away from country music, I found myself, you know, country music started coming out of me out in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and and that was my way. That was my way, my my segue back into it. You
1: know? Yeah, that's great, man. That's a like a full circle homecoming, prodigal son returns. Yeah, kind of story. Um, you said something about uh, oh, well, when you said that, you know, that song's ten years old, and you said it's become an important part of your catalog. It was just like it's really strange um, when you're in to write a song is you know, stepping into this very mysterious place where you don't know if you'll have a song at the end of this effort or uh, how good it will be. Mm. Um, and you, it's really interesting when you write a song, and you're like, oh, that's pretty good. But then you have these songs that turn into like songs that you'll play every time or 10 like that's a song that's like part of your life catalog. Sure. And um, that experience, you know, I have a couple of those I still play that are 10 years old that I'm, I'm going to play forever. I'm like, yeah. I'm hanging my hat on that song. Like, right. Judge me on this, right. this one. Um, I notice that I have a hard time. It's getting harder for me to write songs, um, and partly because of the way I've always done it. I've like, for me, a song is a movie, and I really want it. You know, a, that's a, there's a crafting component to it. I'll really mm-hmm. work on a song. And oftentimes it comes out of something fun to play on guitar or piano, sure. like some little lick or some little riff or I'm like, that's fun. Because if I'm going to play this night after night after yeah. night, a big part of the joy for me is the actual physical playing yeah. of the guitar. 100%. Uh, um, and so, so there's this crafting thing. But I also like my songs to not be like each other. Right. You know, it's like, so they're just, sure. you know, they've got their own little special thing. And for one thing, it's like, I guess I'm, you know, there's only so many ways you can finger pick this. They start to kind of like so many tempos. Sure. Songs start to be sort of the same. And so i got tempo like, songwriter, Hill. Yeah yeah, right, right, yeah, right. yeah, totally. yeah, 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 totally. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You, know, yeah. you know, I'm, keep going. And so, yeah, anyway, so I'm, I noticed that, um, if I write another like mid-tempo finger style right. song, it's like going to knock out another song by necessity because I can't play all 10 of those songs. And so it's made me like maybe the upside of it, it's made me shift up how I write. You know, it's like, OK, well, let's do an up-tempo song. Right. Where, like maybe this one's got like a little fast lick in it. Sure. Or, or maybe this is another thing I learned um, in my last record, actually, is that. A lot of times, this is like I've toured so much solo, and that's mm. so like the I'm the band, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and so I've tried to always keep the whatever's happening musically um, interesting enough sure. to like merit, you know, a solo performer, and so. That's a lot, you know, like a finger-picking thing. Sure. It's like there's some busyness in yeah. there or whatever. You can perform, right? Yeah, yeah. and and so, like, I, there's a song I do called Soft as a Cactus on the last record, and um, it's fine as a solo song live, but then when I p- recorded it and I thought, oh, we'll do it with a band, my friend Skylar produced the record, and uh, I didn't really realize it until the mix, and I'm like, God. It's way too busy with the, with all the other instruments in it. Like the guitars. oh, your guitar part. Yeah, my guitar oh, 100% part. Oh, hundred percent, dude. I,
0: I get you on that. That's I have. <laughs> I struggle through that too. The the this, this, the making the shift from developing my my personal oh. solo guitar parts, which, mm-hmm. is, like you said, is often the inspiration, the entire inspiration for the movement uh, yeah. the, for the song, and making that uh, bridge from that presentation in and turning. Uh, I I find for myself. I have to then uh do an entire another workup and treatment of the song and come back of like okay now I'm going to be JJ J. Kale yeah. covering this song yeah. on an electric guitar like what am, what am I going to do with that and I have to get Sparse and I have to get Sparse and sort of like you know Tom Petty and JJ J. Kale about it.
1: Yeah. No, that's, um, I mean, awesome that you can kind of shift your mind and think about a song a different way. And I think that's a really powerful thing to do and not every, uh, singer songwriter, especially like an instrumentally kind of motivated one is able to do that where, you know, your, your song becomes like this thing and this performance. And, uh, I don't think that's always necessarily a good thing. Um, it's definitely like something I've had to learn and am still learning along the way to like separate that song. I've noticed that like doing covers and stuff of other people's work is a helpful way to kind of get my mind yeah. thinking like that. And sure, like I'm turn it and apply it on myself, my own. Agreed. Yeah, but um,
0: I mean, there's this other thing at work too, which I'll say it is I I don't think I don't necessarily. This is one of these deals like we were talking about earlier. I don't necessarily agree with this. But I accept it as I think this is actually the way it is, mm. and that is this: there is this perception by the market at large that for some reason acoustic music is somehow a a a, a le- another level of higher intimacy, or or are uh, a level of uh, higher integrity, or a level of uh, um, uh, more more intimate, more authentic, more you know because it's on acoustic instruments. Mm. And I just don't agree. First of all, um, b- b- because I-, I look back, you know, to 2010, and that year, that that couple of years, dude, there's a- there's a slew of mandolin ra- laden nonsense <laughs> records out there that yeah. just like, hey, throw a mandolin or a banjo or a frolic and banjo lick on that son of a bitch, it'll be fine. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, that's that, like, no, that that does not fucking
1: cut it. Yeah. And so. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, well, I, I love, I love, I love riffing on the electric versus acoustic yeah. Um, yeah. discussion. In in my, you know, I didn't grow up in a very musical family at all. Um, Nor did I. Okay, cool. Li- uh, listeners, but no players. Yeah, I didn't. even, My parents never bought a record with their, my whole life. I mm. never. Mm. Had, there wasn't music in the house and uh i but my parents like their program for being good folks was to make their kids take piano or oh, music cool. lessons so my yeah. brother jesus uh, he got arbitrarily assigned p- uh violin and i took piano lessons and i like took to it you know i could just like do it and cool. so that was how i got into it oh, and i would was- I'd,
0: I'd, I'd 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 give a i'd give a damn big toe <laughs>
1: Yeah. You know. No, I think piano is so great. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a powerful thing to like look and see how it all. It's the best way to understand music. You know, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's linear. Yeah. Yeah. It's linear. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But I didn't really get exposed to music until like uh, later in the game. But it was still like you know I was my first band that I was really loved was the Cure. You know, and I was ah. like a new wave kid in the eighties cool. and Love stuff. It. And then uh, from there, like classic rock and all doors, and you know, like my late teens, and I got into fish. Blah blah blah. This is all to say yeah. that uh, when I was about twenty-two, one-two, I came across this David Grisman record called Hot Dog, and uh, there's a Tony Rice guitar. Oh solo, yeah, I know that. And record. I, didn't know I know anything about that bluegrass. Yeah, yeah, I know that record. But that Tony about. Rice guitar solo, I was just, it fucked me up. Yeah. Man. I was just like, all I wanted to do was play bluegrass music, I and there was it. like four or five years, most of my twenties. I I didn't care if Bill Monroe didn't play didn't wasn't on the record. I didn't want to listen to it. It was sure. just like all old old guys: Stanley Brothers, sure. Bill Monroe, Doc Watson, Norman Blake. All these like acoustic bluegrass cats. Right, Scruggs, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I loved the guitar players. And I spent all this yeah. time trying to do it. And yeah. I never really got there. But um, it wasn't until this uh, I came across. Well, there's two th- two records that really changed my got me back into the, uh, the electric world. One was. Um, The Acoustic uh, The Pizza Tapes This other Grisman record And it was like David Grisman uh, Tony Rice And Jerry Garcia Just like Grisman had a studio there And he'd like They'd smoke weed And just jam you Yeah know? And then yeah, like So this record Kind of came out I guess the The pizza guy Found the, They were delivering A pizza one day And they had this Burn CD uh, David had Had a pizza delivered And the pizza boy Saw the burn CD And knew whose house He was sh- at And he swiped it, ah, it And it was out on the, That's killer It was out on Napster And stuff Love And so it. Grisman Finally like Put the record out that's But it was like Hearing Jerry uh, Jerry Garcia Play guitar And he, granted It was still a, a, a acoustic But I was just like God It was just so much better it was just like so much more musical and i don't whatever it was to me you know, sure it like it came from a different place sure. that was one thing and then the other thing was this uh, guitar player named bill frizzell oh, put yeah. out a record called ghost town and it was mostly acoustic yeah and uh but it wasn't there was nothing showing off about it right but it was like tons of electric guitar in there too and i was just like oh yeah electric guitar is such a high art form
0: did you ever I, run across michael hedges Oh yeah, dude.
2: He yeah, was a, the, he was a big deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the, sure. the
0: original. I consider him the original. And it was it it was still he wasn't gratuitous with the with the technique. Yeah, I I, I just I loved him. It was like the tapping and the delay, right? That was the two. The uh, comp- yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Guitar harps and yeah. stuff like that. You know, he's playing like a double neck guitar harp with like playing it. Uh, he's got a low a low C you know and stack force on five harp strings and then and then a regular six string and Uh he's playing a figure and then he's playing his damn bass line oh god yeah i mean
1: that's that's not high art i actually saw him
0: one time i saw him just before he died he died tragically in a fucking van wreck in new england wow Uh, but i saw him play at the damn bitter inn in in, in nyc Mm. um that was like that was like I uh, i was like 98 or something
1: amazing there was another guy uh 96 i don't know similar vintage but just phil keggy he's like i think he's a nashville guy I but know he was I kind have. of a, a finger style dude yeah the tapping and the one sure i took some of my um approach for like my live re, my live sound reinforcement from kind of his approach just like a lot of times i have i mean a lot of times every time i have a guitar for a while i had um uh a rack mounted preamp called a pendulum pre it's like a stereo pre it's, they still make them they're, they're uh, like 40 hundred bucks and you know oh, wow. years ago but uh and i have two guitars still in the pickup or the martin's put away somewhere but there's two pickups in there and a stereo cable and so you oh, could kind of, the, the panning at 10 and 2 you know Love you're it. playing a solo show it's like it's pretty big sound yeah you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, now i don't do that the pickups are still in there but it's just too much complicated and i destroyed that that preamp by hauling it all over the world sure and uh not putting it in an airplane case anyway that's a uh, my cross to bear love it but uh now now it's just like a tuner um a boss uh eq pedal less for the eq and more for the, just like kind of the dumb dumb analog thing that that boss pedal does it's just for sort of like squishes everything down takes the what kind of what, what,
0: what, what kind of pickups what, in the guitar
1: um the the one that i use is a rare earth oh uh, i've heard rare about earth, that like i've heard about the whole transducer yeah and i do I mean, this is pickups 15 years old now so i'm sure the right. technology is so you uh,
0: you're you that's an interesting this is pertinent for me so uh, like, like you I, I i played a lot of solo acoustic stuff from uh 2004 four to two thousand and ten I did a whole bunch of it was mostly solo acoustic and and I was I was playing a good number of dates during all those years just Mm -hmm. just to get by you know Mm -hmm. in 2010 when I got back down to Athens Georgia and I made that first quote unquote country or Americana record um I had a good band even back then, and and, I, and everybody was cool. That you know, they were way, way, all about getting on that JJ Kale uh, page man. with me, where the drummer's literally just going mm, bat, mm, bat, mm, bat, mm, bat, and maybe on the chorus he goes to a dirty hi hat, not uh-huh. a ride, you know, uh-huh. and it. Um,
1: like, but no, no, no hi-hat. Yeah, the
0: verses, yeah, of, yeah. Hi-hat just hi-hat, like yeah. literally kick, yeah. Beautiful. And, and, uh, and I had a good guitar player at that point uh, who unfortunately died. His name, name was Daniel Marler. He had a twin brother named Drew Marler, who's still alive and a, and a fabulous player. Mm. But um, um, when I started looking at songs, like you're saying, I, I said, well, what do I need here? Mm. I need a, a tempo, I need a certain tempo. And I need to pick a key well where it's comfortable, mm-hmm. and I need to I need the density of the melody line to be of a certain comfortable density where it's not you know I I like the staccato stuff staccato male vocals is a thing mm. you know a, a la James Brown a la Van Morrison you know like there's a certain R and B thing and mm. that works well so that's a entertaining form mm. that's a good form that's very useful and mm. and I started compartmentalizing songs in that way of like well you know th- like you were t- saying like well I need about three of these and then I need to give a a, 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 a break a key break change, yeah, keys, change keys or tempos tempo,
2: yeah.
0: and yeah. so I started constructing my set you know I yeah. started writing what I needed
1: yeah, I mean, it's interesting as as time goes by. Like the first time when you're a kid and you write a song, you're just like, "Oh my god, I wrote a song!" This is 100%. the beginning of who knows what journey. Yeah. It's crazy. But as time goes on, and you if you're a professional at it, and you're playing real sets night after night, you start to realize like, oh, you start to not only construct your sets accordingly to keep them interesting and you know take people on a journey. But as you write new songs, you start to think about what does the song what what might my set need. Um, And I don't think that's everybody. I think there's plenty of artists that, you know, never played two hour sets or needed to or whatever. And maybe they just write. I think that everybody has some kind of connection to like strategic mindset is not the exactly the right way to put it, but something like where you're you're making a choice rather than being like led by the pure inspiration. Yeah. By the muse. Right. I agree. you're taking the muse with you or like you're being like muse, come visit me under these parameters. Yes. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I, I love that view because at the end of the day, I, look, man, I do love it on occasion when I find somebody that's made a whole down-tempo record and it plays beautifully from mm-hmm. start to finish, and it's just a, a wash, you know, like a Sade record or some mm-hmm. damn thing, right? Uh, even within those worlds, they still have a the, – the, the the good works, It's for me, have a certain sense of – of of a arc of a ride, mm-hmm. but you know I I still feel beholden as a singer songwriter to have this certain mix of tempo and intensity and energy and 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 a relief from that and and a ride. Yeah, uh, I still don't have the confidence to make a whole down tempo cowboy song record. You know, I yeah. just I just
1: don't. I know what you mean, man. Um, that me, my mind immediately goes to, uh, there's this kind of duo band called the Guitaras Hermanos. Oh um, yeah. You know, and they kind of destroyed the industry two years ago, maybe when they came out, maybe three, maybe one, I can't remember exactly. And for whatever reason, Kyle, Kyle could, could take it or leave it, but it just wrecked me. Sure. Like, I just loved like their tiny desk. And then uh, they did some work with Easy Eye Sound uh-huh. um, and put out a single with them. Uh, and I just I love it, and that said, I'm not, this not And it's, it's instrumental it. only, right? It's instrumental yeah. only, and it's really hovers. It's the same, thing. right? And right. there's 40, My, minor 40 key, cuts. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. exactly. And yeah. Um, it's, it's great as a vibe. Uh, not only when I watch that, it live, yeah, I'm like, you know, three songs in, I feel like okay, I, I've seen this. What time. is it? War on Drugs. Is that um, the band I'm thinking this, of? That's the, another this guy. guy that's got like, like in the same amazing
0: sound design, textures, text, yeah, like the coolest, yeah. like the Sonical like the coolest, yeah. like unbelievable. Yeah. I'll be damned if they got an M song in their catalog. <laughs> Like really, yeah. I ain't nothing against them. I'm, I mean, I'm still saying they, 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 yeah. they. I mean, who, am, who am I to say? I mean, they, they obviously hit, hit a lick, and, and that shit is hitting, and absolutely, you yeah. know, who are we to say? I've, I've seen, I've seen that show too. It's, I saw it at, at a sand. It was phenomenal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I'll be damned if I have a song.
1: Yeah, it's funny. It's more, it, but you know, it goes to show you. It's like people get different things out of different artists. I uh, agree. And yeah, you got to honor yourself, and yeah. hopefully, if you're lucky you you what you're putting out is meeting something that the the public wants i'd be interested to hear your take on this people talk about
0: songwriting and i've got a view of of i think essentially that the the this the the great the great american songbook is the is the and and the great american songbook really includes the stones and david bowie and 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 the Brit rockers it, because they were all making R. Uh, it was all American R and B and blues and country influenced. Yeah. Okay. So we call it the Great American Songbook. It's the playlist of our lives. Yeah. It includes all those songs. And here's what I'm saying: in that group, uh, in the great, in this, in the great playbook, which includes also the, all, all the Hargo Hoagy Carmichael, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the standards, the, mm-hmm. uh, the traditional great American traditional, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Gershwin songs.
0: Uh, all, uh, all the way to G- Rhinestone Cowboy, right? Yeah. You know, so there is a cutoff point, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, who's the great documentary Ken Burns, mm-hmm. his cutoff point was like 96. Mm-hmm. He, he's like, fuck it, after 96, fuck it, we're not even going to document that shit. Yeah. He like, like, fuck it's like it. Like Nirvana Just, ended it. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, so within that body of mm-hmm. music, they pretty much wrote all the fucking songs, mm-hmm. like all the word. All the word and melody combinations are pretty much expressed. (laughs) I mean, pretty much. Sure. Now that being said, I do think that there are still a few stones that didn't get turned. Uh huh. I do. I think there are a few stones left out there in the fucking field. Yeah. You know, laying next to a pile of cow shit that didn't get turned and claimed or written or discovered as a song.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we have to think that A, and there's no
0: A few. Yeah, they're not as readily accessible as like uh, you know like, hold on loosely. You know, yeah, you know it's not that easy to write a damn song anymore.
1: No, I mean, this is okay. This is a related point. Uh, I I agree with, with you. I don't even know if I think that way anymore. I do notice that like there's some tension that I feel that um, the the way that you know the americana genre Mm. is sort of a derivative or or honoring the past and it's like every single americana record is you know drums bass acoustic guitar electric guitar b3 pad all the way through you know that's the the ryan adams template sure um and i like i recoil at that and i rebel against it and i put out records that weren't that but the thing that i do come back to is that and that's part of what you know. This this pod is about, um, and what various interests of mine in the past have been about. When I've like shined a spotlight on other artists, is like I love the simplest thing. I love mm. an, an artist who can sing, who can play his or her own instrument, and who can write a song worth sharing. Mm. And that like I've yeah. almost come to. You know that's why I'm such a fan of the tiny desk stuff because yeah. I just like seeing. I like the. I I don't care about perfect at all. Right. You know, at all. Right. It's, it's you want to hear, hear the. You want to hear the real raw. thing. I yeah. just want to hear a person playing a song yeah. from their heart, uh, with their all of their training and their life and their experience yeah. you know, coming through that. The
0: singer songwriter thing. The singer songwriter thing. No, yeah. I get. I, so yeah. that for me, and then the, the, that brings us to me to a modern cultural uh clash or or a, a disagreement, if you will. Yeah. Um. So I feel that. The same way, and, and my drive what's, what made me go out of the house and made me start getting like once I got to be 12, 13, 14 years old, like made me start going, Oh, what is that? Mm-hmm. It would, and, and, and what it was for me the thing, the bug that bit me and gave me the desire or awoke, awoke the desire in me to hear an original, authentic human being's version or take of like, well, here's how the 12 notes add up to me mm-hmm. and you can hear it. It's a mm-hmm. fucking thumbprint mm-hmm. that is uniquely identifiable, uh, in a, you know, like in the same way that, um, uh, well, I, I know you and I, you and I, I know you and I have a bunch of common, we, and we've never talked about this, but I know we have a bunch of common Singers, other singer-songwriters who represent. Oh well, that's a great version, and and, and represents this f- uh, way of looking at the notes mm-hmm. and rhythms, and and this other artist is another great example of this way of looking at the notes, and so that that unique, identifiable version of of, I don't know what you call that. Is that somebody's? direct inspiration with the higher creative yeah. force of
1: like, hey, here's the organized, organic version of how this wall works together. Those singular souls and their, yeah. those per, that singular perspective. I mean, like you, you've you mentioned J.J. Kale a few times. Yeah. I put him in that category. Just like you instantly know a J.J. Kale song. Agreed. And it's not, he's not gonna, it's not the Stones, yeah. it's not the Beatles, it's J.J. Yeah. Kale. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that's, I love, that's what I love about Artist, that's what who I am drawn to is the modern Jimbo Mathis is
0: a great uh, cat. You squirrel nut zippers. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a great cat uh, and got a very identifiable, like. Uh, you know who? Interestingly, use he, he T-bone hollers at him, and I I've I came recent recently to it, knowing that Jimbo is interesting. You, you'll dig him when yeah. you, if
1: you dig in. Is he in town or is uh, he
0: a, on and off? He's sort of Mississippi uh, Muscle Shoals cat too. Yeah. Uh, he's, a bit, uh, uh, he's a bit he's uh, a bit mysterious, and and whereas where he actually hangs his hat yeah, for good, you that's know, part of the mystery. But yeah, I, I love, love it. Yeah. but but yeah, I, I do. I I have a particular affection and interest in those st- singular voices, songwriting voices, mm-hmm. not necessarily just a vocal performance, but a, the voice of
1: a writer. Absolutely. I mean, those things are so mysterious. And um, we've, I've talked to a couple of different guests here on the, on the podcast um, about this, but something that was really important to me when I was younger, especially, like I never thought I should go, like I, granted I grew up in Idaho, so it's on the other side of the world as Mm. far as I was concerned when I was a kid Mm. but um, I never was like I'm going to go to Nashville and become a famous singer Uh, you know and even when I I was so passionate about music as a teenager and all I wanted to do was be a rock star Mm. (laughs) my version of that but it never occurred to me that that meant moving to one of these big cities and like I think like looking back I know why now is that intuitively was like I want to find my own voice without the pressure of uh, and, and the influence of all of the p- other people trying to do it. And so, you know, for that reason, I lived in this small town in Washington state, Bellingham. And while I was like listening to, I was listening to Charlie Christian all the time and mm. and fish, like I had all these influences. Uh, um, Otis Redding, Otis uh, Redding, fats waller was a huge influence for me like i still to this day i'm like i don't know if you know him he's just like kind of a jazz singer um, a bigger guy yeah sold his catalog Yeah, for right pain, his piano guy. yeah, yeah. yeah I ain't misbehaving he was like his yeah. Song. but i loved him because the songs were great but he was also just like a pure entertainer he was so unpretentious about his you know incredible talent sure and uh i don't have talent like that but i liked he was just you know he was a he was acknowledging the audience with everything he did he was thinking yeah. about you know like entertaining you. I, I love, yeah. I still have that perspective. It's like, sure. Uh, when I encounter even really talented people up on a stage treating me like it's my privilege to get to see them. Uh, that's, uh, that's pretty off-putting, you know, no matter uh, yeah, your I talent, agree. like, yeah, yeah. I don't care how great you are as a guitar player. Like two songs into it, I'm like, I get it, right? You know, if you're not like there to have fun and you're sharing this, then
0: you, so so this brings me to an interesting <laughs> that that that's a I agree a hundred percent. And mm-hmm. and here's where that takes me. And we were talking about specifically the the American catalog of music, and then we were talking about Americana music and 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 these different umbrellas and stuff. Uh, for me, I have discovered over the course of a few years and 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 just a slow uh, sort of osmosis assimilation of of some material is regarding the early American music. One of my favorite presentations of that is by Nick Cave. Uh, And, 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 you know, he did the Lawless movie Mm -hmm. and he did uh, um, The Proposition. And uh, which is the Western, the Australian Western, mm. and so you know it's an interesting thing. Oh, I think I watched that. Yeah, it's, it's a Guy Pierce movie. Yeah, and and then Lawless uh, is the is the Prohibition uh, era uh, movie about moonshine runners and Shiloh LaBeouf. I think it, uh-huh. is in it. Uh, and the Nick, so Nick uh, Cave, he it, the way he makes his his version of early American music he ex he he doesn't uh he he emphasizes the roughness Mm. and so the instruments and the way they're played are crude as hell Mm. and and it sounds it sounds like I I've heard real uh, I've heard some real pickers who are drunk too drunk I mean I grew up around some of these people Mm and and in western north carolina and so i've heard guys that were literally too drunk to come off the mountain but on occasion they hell they go down and win moral fest every few years and once once a decade something some bitches go down and win moral fest uh-huh. but he's literally too drunk to go off the goddamn mountain yeah and the way those guys sound yeah uh that is the dude this ain't slick no yeah. nothing but they ain't pre, they it's they, not, they it's not the, showing off the, and it's they're not being. they're not even presenting the shit. yeah and, and so nick cave his presence so, is, dude, I love Marty Stewart and I yeah. love Vince Gill. Yeah, Their 1980s version of American music with chorus all over the guitars and those clean recordings at the apex of tape recording, right? Uh-huh. And, you know, chorus, a chorused out Strat does not sound like mountain music to me. No. And, and so th- so I, I've laid in, laid in my life, I, I still have appreciation and affection for those recordings those eight 1980s Nashville recordings. Sure. But as far as the usefulness in film or, you or know. human emotion. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. It's a weird thing, right? I mean, on it's some a weird level, thing, right?
1: On some level, the story of country music is the story of um, the the attempt by the powers that be, the industry to uh, um, make this raw sound palatable to an every Homogenize it, yet. that's right. And so to that end, Damn you know, right. like you had people like like Ricky Skaggs, who just was born with a mandolin in his hand. Right. And he's just always, you know, he's playing with Bill Monroe when he's 11 years old. And then he's par- very part of that 80s slick scene and, and like the super clean guitar right. person. Cause that's what, you know, mom's like. And to right. this day, you know, it's like, that's why you have Fred Eltringham, who's arguably the best drummer in the world, uh, playing on all these sessions and then the kid puts it all through beat detective so it's on the, it's like <laughs> locked to the grid because that's what yeah. you know people you know that's what they feel now that's what they notice and so if they're like that push and pull around the beat isn't like a pure, like it's not gonna like get that last yeah. nickel right. out of the track yeah right. so why not so I, I think that part of us I think every artist um, who has a heart is on some level at war with that, sure. p- that push, whether or not I have tracks that are on the grid, you know, and right. I, I, I even understand it. I'm like a child of the 90s and 80s and, and drum machine times. I mean, the first yeah. bands that I loved were Hell, JJ Kailman, yeah. dude, he
0: had made a couple, uh, uh, Paul Thorne too, uh, uh, Shelby Lynn. Yeah. There's a number of artists who, and I, and I love that. As, I love the idea of using that as an aesthetic, uh, as a tool.
1: Exactly, but yeah, dude, but
0: as, even tongue, as a even team, Even
1: tongue in cheek you know like like uh, even as
0: a smart ass way to do it but
1: there's something about like knowing you know I love how you describe that guy too drunk to come off the mountain and just like the way that the way the pick hits the strings yeah what is that that's just missed, that's like the devil. And rough in as a cop, like, yeah. ain't nothing yeah. prefer-
0: there ain't nothing fits in a grid about that shit. Totally, like it, it, you can't lock that shit down to a grid. Yeah, It'll destroy it. Like yeah. it won't, it won't, yeah. Like by the time you get done with that, it's like th- those guys play in such a way is that it literally, if you tried to lock them down to a grid, It'll fuck up all the inflections, and it literally it'll take it all off so centered. it'll sound it'll just sound terrible.
1: Yeah. Well, and also like when you're playing to a grid, you're sort of you know I play the I know how to play to a click. That's yeah, me too. I've made records. <laughs> yeah.
0: those, those early, I've got records like that too. But you're, you're
1: you know you kind of aware of the click. You're like sitting there. You're playing with the click. I'm, I'm like going leaning right into it, right into the, into the groove. And so that's that's so di- such a different way than just like this is the tempo I'm playing it. At. It might breathe a little bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah,
0: and, and granted, you and I are splitting damn hairs here. Like, like we're talking about some some nuanced shit. Pretty nuanced here. shit. Because, like, look here. At the same time, and I, I am a Marty Stewart. I, I love Marty Stewart so much. I mean, he walks some water. And his band with, with Chris Krugs and the man. Oh my mm. god! But so that being said, those nineteen eighties records, dude. I love the songs, mm. and I love his playing, and I love his singing the the records and I have appreciation for those recordings that was the apex of tape recording mm-hmm. that being said they are fucking sterile mm-hmm. in a certain way mm-hmm. where this nick cave just in an aesthetic sense in a purely aesthetic sense when this shit hits the ears that nick cave thing that I'm talking about where the where where, the, where there is nothing perfect is not on a grid and mm-hmm. it's intentionally made to represent this thing, this other thing, mm-hmm. intentionally,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's just effective, man. Yeah. I, 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 well, which brings about this other phenomenon. I haven't mentioned this. The phenomena of why British invasion stuff, like why are the fucking Rolling Stones so phenomenal, and and they are they are phenomenal in a global. Undeniable, and the Beatles were right there with it, and so is David Bowie. Yeah. Why is that? What it is, and then R. L. Burnside or Willie Dixon or uh, you know, or or uh, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of an early uh, uh, uh guy, or, um, yeah. or or a country guy like so, Hank Williams. Yeah. Uh, why is that stuff? Why is the British version of this stuff this this global, all-encompassing encyclopedic version? And then the actual the actual authentic thing version of it is this little niche. Yeah. This little niche Library of Congress version of the thing. Why is that? And and here's I, I don't necessarily have a great explanation, mm-hmm. but for some reason, on occasion, a Polaroid picture of the actual thing. Is cooler than the is more fun than the actual goddamn thing, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the Pol- the Rolling Stones Polaroid picture of Billy, Willie v- Dixon is actually entertaining on a whole
1: scale. Yeah, I mean, and some of that's like who knows why, but yeah. you can speculate, you know, because in the it's like <laughs> the they're, affection, they're, the beautiful kids, the, the, they look and, like and, us. And they are the, like audience. Well, well, and
0: they're the the the, uh, the authentic and the romantic. Mm-hmm larger-than-life affection that the Rolling Stones had for Willie Dixon. Mm-hmm. Blow him up possibly larger-than-life, yeah. and it, the, the affection is so sincere and so authentic that their version of the thing just it's
1: a it's a the amplitude
0: of that sound wave yeah of the is, is huge
1: and undeniable it's Dude, all encompassing uh, i was thinking about this book earlier when you were talking about being a, a southern a southern gentleman uh, out on the west coast but uh, there was a book i read that I, I really loved called are you ready for the country and it's about uh there was a time, maybe this is like 15 years ago, when I first moved to Nashville, I just like read all of these like country music histories or versions of country music. Um, I, I always liked history anyway. But like Elvis's bio, biography that came out maybe 10 years ago, it's pretty new, fantastic. It's like two pieces, mm, two, two, two books. Um, but uh, are you ready for the country? is talking about uh, the influence of... The West Coast in country music with Love the birds yeah. and you know Grand Parsons and sure. this like the, like where in uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young the, the even sure. a piece of that where it's just like 100 it's, it's kind of a similar thing where it's like country music taken through like after the Beach Boys, like, yeah. the Beach Boys were uh, concurrent. But sure. Um, no, I'm catching the, you the whole you know, this, Laurel Canyon. This, this, this everything Laurel kind of freer Canyon. vibe. Uh, from yeah. Carol King to, yeah all, yeah, all of it. all, all of that yeah. kind of James came Taylor, through yeah, that everything. But ethos. Yeah. But um, there's another one written by a guy who was, and this is, I can't remember, so forgive me. This is not going to be super helpful, but uh, he was there when Otis Redding wrote, um, Sitting at the Dock of the Bay. He's a famous uh, music journalist, but he followed the Stones around And um, it talks a lot about that history, that exchange that was happening with like Elvis and uh jerry lee lewis and yeah. then how that, that kind of was the first thing that like really hit off those guys in the next generation sure because it was like a you know it was like a reversion to uh, reversion uh, a more palatable rebellious version of the thing that their parents you know knew sure this is like jerry lee lewis and, and elvis in a way and then that kind of like got the kids excited at, uh, over in the aisles and then they took it and like Kind of reflected it back sure. in a new in, in even more interesting like twice removed right. right and i think that was part of the thing it's like you the the popular um ethos is always about new and different and singing about our our struggles whatever that means um and then whereas the traditional ethos which is you know like the, the guy too drunk to come down off the mountain sure. is sort of more about like playing it the way it's been done or like you know, it's not as it's not it's consciously not a innovative. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And it's not commercial. You yeah, know, it's not no, trying it's not. to be commercial. Yeah, no, agreed, it's just agreed. trying to be what it is. Yeah, it's no, the thing itself yeah. rather than uh, a borrowing no, of yeah, the
0: Yeah, no, no. Agreed, agreed, agreed. um <clears throat> It's interesting. I, you know, one thing, and I learned this uh, being out in and, and you know, I, 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 L.A. was amazing for me. My 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 experience out there was bohemian as hell. I do most people I know most people I've heard uh, don't speak well of LA Um, I lucked out and had a really cool bohemian experience I mean uh, I fell in with great people quickly and I just had a I had a I had a a excellent paying high level production job that my buddy owned the production company I was non-union so I had like a I had a magic experience out there I I, um, uh. Hell, I lost my track. Um, People speak ill of LA, but
1: you beg to differ. Yeah, yeah.
2: What were we were talking about before Uh, that? The influence
1: of how California, California in popular music being more innovative or progressive or uh, opportunistic, you could say. Yeah. Appropriative, you could also say on the downside, Um, as opposed to traditional expressions being more traditional.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, like the the difference in between honky tonk women. And the Willie Dixon shit is undeniable. I mean, the Willie Dixon shit is esoteric mm-hmm. and syncopated as a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. The The Rolling Stones is like the drum version, the drum machine version, mm-hmm. like yeah. stripped down. And, yeah, stripped down. And and there is a efficiency in that process that I re- that resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Now that being said. If you go too far with that efficiency, you actually lock it down with a drum machine, unless it's JJ Kale and they're doing it in some aesthetic, intentional, and aesthetic purpose. And it's just locked down to a grid and it's music from across the row yeah. that looks like a, 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 you know, when you light, you know those snakes, those fireworks? Yeah. And they come, yeah. That's what those wave files look like yeah. when you look up those Big old tubes. S- dude, yeah. zero <laughs> dynamics. Yeah, totally. Zero. And, uh, yeah, you know, the, that, that that stuff, I, I was educated by people in LA. There they're, they're like people like film guys, they're like, dude, I can't you can't use any of that Nashville music for actual movie music. It yeah. do, doesn't have any damn dynamics. Yeah. It's locked down to a grid and it's so fucking sterile you can't it has zero vibe. Yeah. So when you line that shit up with some cinematography, good looking cinematography, it's just garbage. Yeah. And they can't those sense. guys those guys in Hollywood can't use that shit off the rope. They literally can't use it. Yeah. Can't use it. Good. It's, dis- it's like it won't function.
1: Yeah. Leave some for us. It's, yeah, exactly. In the cave, exactly. Back-alides. Exactly. Um, well, dude, this has been so great. Thank yeah, you so much. We're going to have to do this again. Yeah. Obviously, we could just talk for dude, two minutes. Dude, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm in so, much, so much enjoy your company and, and your I can't wait to see what where you continue watching where you go with the film and, and also Thanks, continue man. digging into your catalog and finding the gems in your Sam, catalog. we'll
1: have to get together and write one. Yeah. Count uh, me in. Um, and speaking of which let's just us uh, just play out maybe let's do it. I'll let's join you on that bit. one yeah, song that you sent me please okay cool awesome we'll do it again soon thanks man peace
2: hang out left on White Creek Bridge and stay home 33 there's a sharecropper's shack by the railroad tracks in a big old sycamore tree. A big old sycamore tree. The scar's on a limb where the rope had been, and an old tire used to swing. In that shade, I had my first taste of love at seventeen. Lord, I was just a seventeen. In another life, with a Boy Scout knife, I made a pledge here in the bark a lasting monument to you and me. We both swore forever as I carved four letters in a heart, four letters in a heart, four letters in a heart, four letters in a heart. I come back every now and then to pay a visit to my past My fingers trace the marks I made for love It did not last, young love, it did not last It's easy for a young man to promise love When he don't know what it cost He's yet to face the cold, hard day He to learn about loss And, Lord, I learned about loss in another life with a Boy Scout knife, I made a pledge every day in the bar. Yeah. a last monument to you and me, we both swore forever as I carved four letters in a heart, 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 pick one. left done White Creek Bridge and stay on 33, there's a shack, rob a shack by the railroad tracks and a big old sycamore tree, a big old sycamore tree, the scars on a limb where a rope had been and an old tire used to swing, in that shade I had my first days to love at 17, Lord I was just a 17. In another life, with a Boy Scout knife, I made a pledge here in the park a lasting monument to you and me. How we both swore forever, as I carved four letters in a heart, 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 four letters in a heart. Of all letters in a heart.
1: The Morse Code podcast is produced by Corby Lanker and Kyle Noctegall in East Nashville, Tennessee. Our executive producer is Randa Newman. You can find full video of this and all past episodes by visiting
0: morsecodepodcast.com.